Welcome to another In the Money Players podcast. Nick Tamaro here deputizing for Peter Thomas Fornatal, who is in who knows where. Saratoga, probably. He's been all around the world. It's uh, It could be a, a game that people play as far as how Pete's life is lived. One guy that he was around just the other day during his trip to the opening day at uh, Kentucky Downs was my good friend and Kentucky Downs uh, aficionado, Jack Jenkins, who joins me to cover the Sunday racing at Kentucky Downs. Jack, what's going on? Good morning, Nick. I think that's the first time I've ever been referred to as an aficionado. Well, everybody's going to see the, uh, the the vol part of your Twitter handle as we go through this uh, this sequence. You, of course, are from Tennessee. You're about, what, an hour and a half or so from Kentucky Downs? Yeah, a little less than that. It's not bad. And you started going there. That was your regular uh, – that was how you introduced yourself basically to the game, right? Oh, yeah. I, I w- wasn't going there during the dueling grounds era, but, yeah. Back when uh, the Kentucky Downs meet was uh, sort of a stopgap before uh, Churchill started. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of Jonathan Shepard ship-ins that me and Pete were reminiscing on this week. And, you know, yeah, it was not what it is today. It's amazing to see what it's done over the past 20 years. Yeah, it has definitely expanded quite a bit. And, of course, we're appreciative of their participation in the uh, network. We're having a show for each of the seven cards. This, of course, is day number three. Four more to go after this one. And, uh, Jack, this is a 12-race card where we have some pretty solid stakes races towards the end. We're going to mainly focus on the uh, late pick five. But uh, one of the spots along the way uh, before that sequence is the third, a a six-and-a-half furlong turf race where some horses I think that everybody's going to have a pretty general level of familiarity with are going postward, including uh, stakes winners like uh, Excess Magic, who's run down in Texas quite a few times, Mark of the Z, who was a Keeneland fall meet winner last year, Chewing Gum, who won the Joe Hernandez at Santa Anita back in uh, the early part of 2022. And you had a runner in here you wanted to mention. Uh, who's going to take down this third race? Yeah, we were talking about Shug McGay. He, he's got the number five in here coming off of almost a year layoff now, uh, Cloudy. And horse won, actually won its last race. Uh, I wonder what happened. Won at Keeneland, going five and a half, you know, won in stylish fashion there. So, I, you know, Shug's had a, you know, very lackluster Saratoga meet, to, to put it kindly. And I kind of think he's a – He's got some live runners at Kentucky Downs this weekend, so I'm, it'll it'll be interesting if if this horse tips us on how how the rest of his stable might fire there this weekend. Yeah, this horse ran well in that October of, of uh, 2022 victory, beating Evan Singh with uh, really without much of a setup too. I, I, I'm interested to see how he runs here. Let my people go for Vicky Oliver is the uh, morning line favorite, and is a horse that's really blossomed of late as well. Comes in off a strong effort in the uh, Kentucky Downs turf sprint preview. So the thought was, of course, that the horses coming out of that race, especially the first few finishers, would end up in the Kentucky Downs turf sprint that goes next Saturday. But he's opts for this uh, slightly softer spot. I don't know if this is a horse that I would really bank on running back to that race, but anything close to it, I think, would make him somewhat tough. Yeah, it just looks like the type that you kind of you kind of want to try to uh, – beat you know as a as a big morning line favorite and i don't i don't blame you for making the horse uh morning line favorite at all you know the horses the horse is definitely in form 
but it, you know, not exactly a wind machine either. No question about that. Let's move on to uh, one of the races a little later on in the card. We we're going to touch on race number five. Uh, that is a maiden special weight event at seven furlongs on, of course, the turf courses. All the races are, and uh, you mentioned a pedigree play here uh, in the fifth race. Who who are we looking at? Yeah, I was looking toward the outside, uh, number eleven, Santa uh, Savannah Marie for Eddie Keneally. Eddie Keneally's just had a outstanding 2023 so far you know really stepped up his win percentage i have him at 23 percent on the year this uh this daughter of mendelson she's um she's ran you know okay a solid showings first two timeouts sprinting on the dirt you got to think you know mendelson out of a painter mare this this filly might really take to the lawn uh drew the rail last time out made a nice little move in there and kind of leveled off late. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, drawn outside today, could she could set a nice little trip going to a little bit of extra distance today. So I'm interested in, in her and what should be a, you know, fair value. Yeah. Dam was a turf winner. Um, progeny of Mendelssohn, 13% first time on the turf. I did not look up the second family. Uh, but it did look to me in there like you were going to have to deal with a couple of first-time starters, including the six-block trade, who's in Omaha Beach. They're hitting at a, a pretty incredible 24% first time out. Amongst two-year-olds, 22% first time turf. Also thought that uh, Graham Motion's Talonade was at least a little interesting. A Laurel Shipper, who made up some ground on debut for a barn that generally is going to point their horses to races with a little bit more experience. The uh, second family for... Lena Marie includes uh, the second dam was a horse called Trappings, who ran three times on the turf without much success. But that does feel like a pedigree, of course, that's going to move up a ton on the turf. That's in race number five. Let's get to the late pick five, which begins in race number eight. And I'll tell you, Jack, I thought this was a really difficult race, one where uh, it was hard to find a standout. I'm hoping that that means that you have a single for us. Well, I do have a couple that I'm interested in. I I was uh, looking to lean maybe on toward the inside. I uh, thought the number two autism community, I'm still trying to figure out how she won last time. Uh, you know, you know, it was a, you look at the buyer and everything and it's not, it's not very impressive, but you go watch that race and look at the chart. I mean, she really just had no, she really had no business winning, just totally settled last in a, in a slow pace and just swept the field you know, on the barn change, which I think you need to take note of anytime um, you have a performance like that for a new barn. And she, she fits this condition like a glove, you know, she won a maiden special. And now she, she happened to run for a tag the race before. So she fits, you know, she's able to run in, in this starter allowance condition. And I just think she's going to offer great value. And if she can, you know, repeat that performance in this really long stretch, uh, She's going to be heard from late, I think. Also, you know, I think you got to look at the number one for for Safi. Um, our rolls all day. Gaffley on rides. Horses won its last two starts. I mean, obviously in great form. So, you know, those are the, those are the two that I'm that I'm most interested in, and I have a couple more. So. You mentioned the uh, the long stretch, and and I wanted to touch on 
being somebody whose opinion, uh, I, I mean, I know I value tremendously when it comes to track profile. Did you notice anything Thursday? Was there a, a lean towards horses on the front end staying? I mean, I know it's one of, of racing's worst kept secrets that the the turf course at Kentucky Downs often is very kind to front running types. And I think people automatically assume, <coughs> excuse me, because the, uh, the stretch is long that it's going to favor closers, but uh, was there a was there a lean one direction for you for from Thursday? You know, it, started, it started off, you know, the first race, um, a maker firster wired that race, and there wasn't a whole lot of moves. There was one, there was a, one filly in there. I believe it was a race for fillies for a Cherie Devoe that that made a really nice circling move and came on to be second. And some of the other races look look uh you know some of the early races looked like you wanted to be up close or, or just stalking. But then later in the card, for whatever reason, uh, closers, you know, done really well. So I would label, I would label the, the course, you know, I was interested to see how it would play with the, the rail setting, you know, all the way out. I would, you know, I, I thought it was fair. I thought the turf course looked outstanding, the best it's ever looked by far, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, they were coming from, they were winning from everywhere on opening day. Good to hear, of course, and uh, those of us that are friendly with Jack know that he's very serious about turf conditions, especially at the Jenkins Estate in uh, in, in, in in Tennessee. Moving on, then, so eighth, eighth race, you're you're mainly one two. You got any backups or anybody else you're going to use? Yeah, I thought the um, I thought the maker looked live at a price. Uh, first time Lasix, uh, Philly by the factor, who who won on. You know, broker maiden last time out on dirt should have no problem at all going going back to the turf. Uh, hot rider Gerardo Corrales aboard, and then you have another Safi runner with his main rider Edgar Zayas uh, drawn the number eight, and you know she she broke her maiden two back. Uh, didn't do much last out at Saratoga. It was really far back in that race for for some reason with Irod Ortiz and. I look for her to run better than that. I think she's I think she's better than she showed last time at Saratoga. So I would definitely probably use the eight and nine at you know what looked to be good prices. Uh, you know it's a it's a tough race, but I do like some prices in here. Yeah, those are the eight and nine to use as backups. That's the first leg race number eight. Let's go to the ninth a mile on the turf course. I thought a very competitive field here. And you had a couple of runners that at least hinted at having some pretty serious ability a little earlier in their careers. The ones to me that kind of stood out in that category were Fort Washington and Golden Alchemist. They both come in looking very different, one off a layoff, one off a, a somewhat modest effort last out at Colonial Downs. Where did you land here in the ninth? You know, I, I like this race a bit more from a, a vertical wagering perspective rather than horizontal. I think, you know, for the pick five purposes, I think you have to look at the number 12. First time Brad Cox, no disrespect to Vicki Oliver, but this is a this is a big upgrade on the barn switch. Um, drawn outside, class, you know, dropping in class slightly, and you gotta you gotta use the the 12 Kentucky Ghost. Uh, but for I really like a, a key horse to play around with and and trifectas here with the the number two policy option twenty to one morning line horse uh, was was way you know dead last in a in a slow pace last time closed to be third ran really well 
got an underrated jockey and Arietta board won won the race but you know it's it's previous start um looked really good that day so I've, I've been following this gelding uh most of the year and i think he's um i think he's primed to run a big one in here if he can get some pace yeah that's good uh good good thing to uh note of course and there's obviously a lot of opportunities in addition we talk on this network extensively about multi-race bets but nothing wrong with uh with a good trifecta or superfecta score to up your bankroll a bit the uh six golden alchemist how'd you feel about him last seen finishing third in the tampa bay behind emmanuel yeah and the other one of these seeing quite a few layoff horses at kentucky downs you know or, uh barns that are just uh, maybe pointing for this meet or you know for whatever reason I, you know obviously you know i think you have to use that those connections you know the horse had a super tough draw post position wise last time out drawing drawing the 12 hole ran on to be third with a with a really wide trip so i mean but you know i'm just i i feel like the um the listeners of this podcast don't need me to to tell them to use a, a five to two chad brown favorite <laughs> you know i think you also gotta um look at the number seven uh you know aforementioned keneally barn point me by looks looks really well spotted in here off of brief freshening Declan Cannon, who's uh, really came to life this year. Huge uh, win percentage on the turf at Ellis and may get overlooked in the betting. That's grade one winner point me by. That's true. <laughs> He'll always have that, right? He will. Um, all right, moving on from race nine, we get into the stakes action on this Sunday card. Tenth race is the Dueling Grounds Oaks at a mile and five sixteenths. And uh, I will admit that Jack already already commented to me on some of the morning line odds in this race, which he and you, everybody out there are perfectly welcome to do. I have uh, about the thickest skin you can possibly have. This is a good race, though, and it, all kidding aside, it looks very competitive to me on paper. There were a couple of horses in here that I wasn't really sure what to do with. And, and I think the one that the one that kind of stood out in terms of not knowing exactly how to handle her was the 12 Selenaya because she actually, and, and I know some of it was Irad money, but she got a lot of money in the uh, Saratoga Oaks last time out, having gone to California and won a stake race. So, you know, I kind of thought to myself, well, this horse has to take money again. It, on paper, it looks like there's a lot of speed in here. But I also don't think she's a speed horse. I'm not sure exactly what the tactics were last time out, but you're talking about a filly that had really comfortably rated in every prior start, and suddenly, you know, she's wheeling along going 150 pace figures on Time Form US. I, I didn't get it. Yeah, that was um that was strange to see her on the front end. And, you know, when you can't when you don't know any jockeys and you can't jockey bash, you just got a morning line, you know, especially when you know the morning line maker, you gotta you got to get on them sometimes too. No, but it, this is a, I do not, I do not envy your position of making morning lines for this meet. Very, very tough races and hard to see how, how they're going to play this. I, I did, I did want to like the number, the number nine. And I was, I guess you had, uh, gave her a lot of respect with a six to one morning line. I thought, I thought she could be higher than that, but you're probably right. The Rosario money will probably show up. She's just she just looks like a filly that's to bred to really uh, relish this this extra 
you know, long distance of the Dewan Ground Oaks. Her pedigree just screams, you know, marathon distance. The And, you know, she's not really had much of a setup in her last few races up at Woodbine. Very capable barn. And she she looks like she could she could be heard from here late. Um, the number four, Safine, for Keneally, they, they bet this filly last time at Ellis like the race had already been ran. And she didn't disappoint. You know, Saez, I think, flew into, you know, flew into town to ride her that day. And, you know, she she got the job done. Here she's spotting, you know, she's spotting six pounds today to most to most of these. So uh, Gaffleon gets bored with Saez um, on the IR. So, you know, I think she's going to take plenty of money. And the number five always seems to take plenty of money for for Jonathan Thomas as well. So, you know, I, I'm looking, I'm looking to try to beat some of those. Uh, this may be another race where I might do better in exactas and tries than, than actually in the, the win end. But uh, another, another long shot for me uh, here is the number three, the Whit Beckman Philly. You know, she's always, she's always been an under the radar type that that's, you know, went off at some big odds and you get Declan Cannon here. You know, she was, she was last, last time in a slow pace, ran on to be third. And I think she could really like the extra distance as well. So I, I like her as a, as kind of another vertical key at a, at a big price, maybe, you know, around the 25, 30 to one area. Uh, and only one more I'll mention and I'll throw it back to you is the number 11, uh, Freddie's the red for McPeak. That horse does have some experience at the at the extended marathon, not merely marathon distance, but she does have a race at ten furlongs against tougher company, and she she looks like you know she fits well here also. Yeah, she's a horse who's going to get some support at the windows as well, deservedly. So um, I was just, you know, and I guess part of it, which you brought up, was that they bet Safine like she couldn't lose last time out, and I think that definitely influenced how the odds shook out and and I probably could have made Freddie's the red a little bit shorter in terms of pricing, but uh, she looks like she'll benefit from the move to the mile and five sixteenths as well. So a very, very nice uh, event uh, addition of the dueling grounds Oaks, the dueling grounds Derby is the cult half of this race. And, you know, Jack, the conversation in this race starts with far bridge, who is a very solid morning line favorite and looks as if he'll get the majority of the support in the wagering. Uh, it's worth noting though, that, Anybody who's following Saratoga and also looking at workout reports will remember that Lost Ark, who ran in uh, Friday's Saranac, uh, very clearly, according to the clockers, outworked Far Bridge, and uh, and Lost Ark is still tied to the eighth pole, chasing Carl Spackler home. So maybe no shame necessarily in running third behind Carl Spackler, but it was not a particularly compelling effort, and uh, it does have to at least call into concern maybe whether Farbridge's form is slipping a little bit. Were you going to take that approach, or do you think he just might be too much for these? I felt like he's a he's a fairly likely winner in here, but he he's a he's a little bit of a strange horse. If you watches if you watch his races, he seems to really start to run when he gets down inside. He's I don't I don't know if that that style is gonna you know he's drawn outside uh, you know I don't know if that's gonna fit this this type of course and I don't know he just seems like I said to be a, maybe a, a tough horse to ride this is 
uh, Jose Ortiz fourth time riding him. So maybe he's, um, you know, he's learned, he's learned a little bit, you know, he's uh, another, I don't know how much people really put in the, to weights, but he is spotting weight here. You know, another one spotting six pounds, you know, he's a, he's a obvious use, but as a big favorite on a, on a course that can, you know, can kind of bring horses together and, and throw in some prices, you know, he's definitely worth trying to beat. I, I've always liked the number 10 battle of Normandy. He's, um, he's been a little disappointing, you know, I thought when he, when he won first out last year, uh, for Suge at Saratoga, I thought, wow, this, this horse has a super high ceiling and looked like the type that's just going to, you know, run all day. And, and I, I wonder if he might end up being as an older horse, you know, one that we see in a lot of the, the 11 and 12 furlong type races. He just, he sort of has that, that style, you know, he's not a huge, uh, quick and, you know, turn a foot style colt. And I think any extra ground is going to benefit him. Also think you got to look at the other Pletcher, uh, clever thought for Rosario. That horse is, you know, only one career win, but he has, um, he has faced decent, decent runners, you know, uh, so I think I think he fits well also at a at a big big price. Yeah, I think there are alternatives to Farbridge for sure. I I wondered um, even to an extent, and we'll see of course if there's any scratches and how the the first couple of furlongs go. But if there's any inclination on your part to think that it being forwardly placed is advantageous, I wouldn't sleep on Wizard of Westwood. I thought this horse had no shot in the Belmont Derby last time out wide after a couple of horses that weren't expected to show speed did so. He ran really well two starts back in the cinema at Santa Anita. I know West Coast turf form has to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt, but I'm not going to be shocked if this horse sticks around for for a little bit more than people might expect. There are a lot of options for three-year-old Colts on the turf right now. And the fact that Mike, Michael McCarthy, I mean, of course, other than this being a million-dollar purse, but the fact that he wanted to go here at a mile and five-sixteenths really leads me to believe that he, he thinks distance is what uh, is what the son of two Brutus wants. So, again, I won't be altogether shocked if he's able to stick around for a big chunk of it. That will uh, go as race yeah. number Eleven, that, yeah. That's the, the pace. The pace scenario on here, you, you you could be you could be right. I mean, he he should you know he should uh, very well control this race. You know, we I feel like we should also touch on the number one red route one. I was just about to say that. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he's found as most Asmussen's do has found his home on the dirt, but he he did. You know, he did have a nice win breaking his maiden at Kentucky Downs last year. So, you know, this is a course that you should never discount a win or even a race over the course. And as much as I wanted to try to toss him here and use him as a takeout eliminator, I, I think the win over the course, um, you know, he, he just he really showed his class last time at Mountaineer. He just he just absolutely engulfed those horses and just rolled by late with, um, you know, very stylish win over there in the West Virginia Derby. But going back to the turf, and he will probably be a little bit, you know, far back like a lot of these others, and now he's going to have to outfinish turf horses. So, you know, it's a, it's an interesting race for sure. 
But I'll, yeah. I'll look in number 10, uh, Battle of Normandy. I hope that he's on the stretch out with Tyler aboard, uh, stalking, you know, in the second flight somewhere and, and maybe gets a jump on, you know, on the favorites here. That's a good look at the Dueling Grounds Derby, race number 11. One more to go. It is the National uh, Thoroughbred League Handicap Race, half million dollars at a mile on the turf course and uh, brings together a pretty eclectic group. Horses coming from all different places and all different surfaces to some extent. Um, as not all of them really are turf horses. Where did you go to close out this one, Jack? I had a tough time with this race. I, Like you said, this is a... This is a mishmash bunch here. You know, they're coming from coming from everywhere, coming out, you know, you have number 10, Time for Trouble, coming out of a, you know, marathon dirt race. for long dirt race, yeah. It's, it's yeah, a I mean, it's just, it's just, they're just coming. Um, field pass, one last out for for Maker at Laurel. He actually won without Lasix, and I know, I know I've heard Mike say that that horse is a, uh, is a is a bleeder, so you know he gets back on Lasix today, which should only help him. But I just had a hard time formulating an opinion in this finale. I decided on um, the number four for Maker Keen Calls as a as a top choice. Um, you know, I'm not like I said. You know, I know he probably didn't beat a lot. Uh, two back at Lone Star. Just feel like he he could be. You know, he could set a good trip, third off the layoff, back on Lasix after a no-show last time at Ellis in a stake. Uh, and I'd also, for a, for a prize play, you know, a horse that should be setting close to the to the front end gets in as a lot, uh, one of these lightweights. The weights in here is interesting, too. Uh, Saratoga flashed number three for Safi Joseph, who, who had a really successful meet in 2022 at Kentucky Downs. That horse, um, that horse looks um, like he fits well, you know, second off the layoff, shipping in from Saratoga. Yeah, good bunch here. Uh, Fort Ventura, another horse who I think will take a little bit of money. I wasn't sure how much I really, really liked him, but Jonathan Thomas's horses do generally get a lot of support. Florent Giroux at his best to me on horses that are forwardly placed, so he was one drawn towards the outside who I thought could be a little bit dangerous. Felt like King Cause got burned up in that hot pace last time out. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think that he's necessarily significantly better with the lead. Obviously his biggest win to date was in the Knickerbocker when he was able to control the pace. And he set a very slow pace that day, winning at 15 to one uh, during the Belmont at Aqueduct meet. Uh, another horse that'll get a little support at the windows. I would imagine both the inside runners, Siege of Boston and Eons come out of the, uh, of races where uh, they both performed well, including that Kentucky Downs Turf Cup preview where Siege of Boston was a good third behind me and Mr. C. Any any give consideration given to him? Yeah, I think you also, you know, have to look at those two inside runners. I think they'll uh, they'll be buying for favoritism. You know, look like, you know, the number two, uh, Rosario getting aboard, always seems to take plenty of action at the windows. Uh, horse did have a start over Kentucky Downs, didn't hit the board, but has a start. The Delacour barn is, you know, always a high percentage outfit. So the horse goes back on Lasix. Um, so, you know, it, this is a this is a really tough race to end the card. <laughs> no doubt. It is uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a good way to end what is a really tough and competitive card. Well, we'll go back through your numbers and get that out to uh, everybody here. And then of course everybody with that's an in the money plus subscriber will get it as part of the newsletter. 
So just uh, recapping first leg race number eight, I know you had the uh, eight and nine as your backups, the one and two as main horses, right? Correct. All right. And then in race number nine, who do we have? I uh, had quite a few I'm going to be, be using. Uh, the number two is uh, my, my vertical key, but I'll be using the the three, six, seven, and 12 in, in some capacity. Great. Any backups there, or there's just just the main horses? Probably, probably those fives enough. Uh, yeah, you can you can um, build up quite a pick five ticket on, on with these type of sequences. So I probably try to stick with five or less. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, no, the nine in race ten. Anybody else in terms of main horses? Yeah, the yeah another another I had quite a few with um the three and nine is my value plays uh i'll also use the you know i think you also got to look at the four five six ten eleven twelve i know that's a lot of horses but i thought that was a super competitive race no doubt about it race number 11 the dueling grounds derby uh obviously you're using farbridge the nine in addition to yeah the 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 10 uh battle of normandy will right, also, exactly uh, I'll be trying to, I'll be trying to get the ten and the eleven. I'll be using those as A's and B's. Okay, and then your nightcap, you had the three and eight primarily. Uh, yeah, three, four, four, three, and right. I'm sorry, four. Yeah, four, four, three. Then maybe the one, two, eight is backups. Well, that sounds like a plan, and we know that you'll be following Kentucky Downs very closely. I won't be surprised if you're enlisted to help with one of these shows again, as we have uh, four more after this one. Jack, thanks so much for joining me. Good luck this weekend. All right, Nick, anytime. Anytime.